Welcome to AgTech 360, where we take a 360-degree view into emerging agriculture technologies of today and tomorrow. Our host, Adrian Percy, helps us to create robust dialogue among stakeholders in academia, industry, and extension, including researchers, growers, producers, and the overall agriculture sustainability community. AgTech 360 is brought to you by North Carolina State University, CIRSA, the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture, and the Southern IPM Center. This is Adrian Percy with AgTech 360, and today I'm delighted to have Dr. Fiona Edwards-Murphy, who is CEO and co-founder of an amazing company called Apis Protect, and they're looking to bring groundbreaking technology to commercial beekeeping. And with the topic of pollinator health and bee health so important, this is really a critical addition to the ag tech space. They're using IoT, so Internet of Things, to remotely extract data from beehives. And then using an artificial intelligence, they are able to create meaningful insights to help operators and enable beekeepers to really deploy their labor and bee resources to maximum effect. Dr. Fiona Edwards-Murphy, so she completed her PhD with the School of Engineering and the School of Biological Earth and Environmental Sciences at University Cork, Ireland, in the area of IoT, Honeybee Health. And she's a, Fiona is a graduate of the Bachelor of Electrical and Electronic Engineering Honours at UCC. She has, as has the company, won numerous awards, including the 2021 Forbes Europe's 30 Under 30 list, which is uh, really impressive. And APIS Protect as well has won numerous awards, including being listed as one of the European startups to watch in 2021. So congratulations for that to you and the company, Fiona, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Adrian. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, we're delighted to get you on. And clearly, as I said before, you know, pollinator health is such a, an important topic that everyone is concerned about. And having a company that's really focused on that, helping beekeepers, I think is a really noble mission that you have. But before we get into APIS Protect, let's talk a little bit about you, if that's Okay, I'm fascinated to know a little bit about your background, how you got into science, and more specifically, then how did you get into beekeeping or at least trying to help beekeepers? An interesting journey, um, certainly being an electrical engineer who ended up working with bees. I don't think that's a normal, <laughs> I don't know anyone else who's gone on that particular career path. As a child, I was always interested in all aspects of STEM, really. I was, you know, one of those kids at the zoo who knows all the different kinds of penguins. <laughs> And uh, also, you know, really interested in the science subjects in school. And I think maybe one thing that I had that helped me that I don't think maybe other people might not have had was um, my dad was actually a, a technician in the phone company, the telecoms company here in Ireland. And uh, he brought me in a good few times to see the telephone exchanges in Dublin, which was a really interesting thing to see growing up. I remember just finding that absolutely fascinating. Science and engineering were always what I was interested in. Got really interested in subjects like technical drawing and physics and uh, engineering uh, at secondary school or, you know, the equivalent of high school in Ireland. I think from there, fell in love with electrical engineering, went off to study that at UCC, and then kind of, I guess, closed the loop because uh, I, I do come from a very rural background. So, um, you know, living in North Cork in Canturk in Ireland, surrounded by mostly dairy farming, a little bit of beef farming, I definitely grew up all around farms, uh, even though I'm not from a farm myself. I think I kind of closed the loop there at the end of Eleckenge when I was like, oh, wow, um, I'm going to take this, you know, sensor technology, which I find absolutely fascinating and interesting. But I find fascinating and interesting because there are ways to actually have an impact on the real world using uh, the Alec Eng skills that I've got and, and taking that back into agriculture with the bees. 
That's fantastic. And thanks for closing that loop because I was asking myself, you could have gone into so many different industrial sectors with your background and, you know, the inheritance that you got from, I guess, your, your dad's uh, gene pool and so on and so forth. But you chose agriculture. And for me, it seems so important that we have, you know, the best electronic engineers and electrical folks coming into our sector right now, as well as a lot of other disciplines that we need to kind of build out in order to, you know, move agriculture forward. So let's talk a little bit about APIS Protect and how did that emerge then from your, your studies and how did you get to the point where you say, I've got an idea here that's commercial enough to launch a company? Yeah, absolutely. No, that was, uh, it seems again, like a bit of a strange journey, I guess. First of all, pursued my PhD because I was really interested in honeybees, really interested in sensor technologies, not because I was like, there's a huge business opportunity here, or even that I saw myself becoming an entrepreneur at any stage. It was really driven by the exposure to the beekeeping industry that I had during my PhD. So I got the opportunity to talk to an awful lot of beekeepers. Obviously, they were really interested in the research I was doing. And um, almost all of the beekeepers either wanted to get involved in the research project or even actually just ask me, can I buy one of your sensors in your experiment off you? And I was like, no, you can't. I'm pretty sure that's illegal because they're things I built in the lab. <laughs> but um, definitely saw the appetite for technology and the appetite for more information about what was going on inside in their beehives during my PhD. Also learned about the commercial industry and just how fundamentally important honeybees are for producing crops, which I guess isn't really the role that honeybees play to a, a large extent in Ireland. You know, we don't have those a massive bee-dependent crops like almonds and avocados here. Seeing that industry around the globe and even the Manuka honey industry in New Zealand is absolutely fascinating. Those beekeepers are trying to keep up with modern agriculture using what is very, very old compared to every other form of agriculture um, techniques. So um, there's definitely an appetite out there and I saw that. And uh, I guess that's what really inspired Apis Protect. I had technology, I had people who were asking to buy it. So no better position to be in starting a business, I guess. There was a demand before there was a supply, which is always a good good place to be. And before we get into a bit more detail about the company, actually, since you brought it up, I did want to ask you about the types of beekeepers that you're working with, because clearly beekeeping has become a very high profile uh, thing to do right now. We're seeing lots of urban beekeepers, restauranters. You're seeing a lot of hobbyists, people who just want to try it out or contribute somehow to you know preserving pollinator populations. But you're really focused on commercial type beekeepers right and i guess from what you said that's that they're only commercially beekeeping at scale in certain parts of the world so could you maybe just talk a little bit about where those places are that's really the vision that we originally founded apis protect in 2017 with which was uh, being able to provide a technology for commercially scaled beekeepers so we were looking in particular at pollination industry in the us and then there's to a certain extent there's also a pollination industry in uh, countries like australia canada a small bit in europe as well not massive yet. And then also like that, the really intense, valuable honey markets like New Zealand, like again, some in Europe, some in Canada. Uh, but yeah, the, the pollination industry is absolutely fascinating. So this is where honeybees play a fundamentally important role in producing crops. Um, almonds are the original <laughs> pollination industry crop, but you also have things like blueberries, cranberries, apples, pears, avocados, kiwi, all pollinator dependent crops. And uh, essentially honeybees are the only pollinator that we can actually mass produce and bring 
to a specific location and release. So essentially taking the, the almond crop as kind of the classic example, you've got about 1.3 million acres of almond groves in California that produces about 80% of the almonds that are consumed worldwide. And in order for those trees to produce any almonds at all, you need to have two beehives in every single acre. So you need, uh, multiplying by two, you need 2.6 million beehives in California every single February. Valentine's Day is the big day in the, in the beekeeping calendar in the US. And um, there are, in the commercial beekeeping industry in the US, about 2 million beehives. So you can see there, we're already short at 0.6 million beehives. And because of the way that the beekeeping year works, February is just at the end of winter. And those honeybees are just waking up from a long kind of um, overwintering period, or it's kind of, it's not hybernation, but it's basically a hibernation that an on-scientist would understand the bees who can't sleep for the winter. They've woken back up. And often a lot of beehives have died during the winter due to starvation or diseases or pests. So beekeepers usually only deliver between 60 and 70% of their colonies successfully to the almond um, pollination season. So you've got almost a 50% shortfall in the number of hives available to the, the almond industry. So this has obviously led to massive increases in the price of renting a beehive. Essentially, if you've got a beehive in California uh, towards the end of January that's available to be rented out, you'll get quite a bit of money for it. Um, so this has really become the, the driving factor in beekeepers' revenue in the US. Pollination officially overtook honey in was it 2018 or 2019 as their primary source of revenue. Wow. And I was actually recently in the almond groves in California. Actually, it was for harvest, not for pollination time. Yes. And, and the, the harvest procedure is actually something to be believed as well. <laughs> when you watch how they shake the trees to get the almonds down, it really is incredible. It's such a valuable crop. The things that you see happening out there, it's amazing. <laughs> What are the, I mean, apart from the, the lack of availability of beehives, and you said, you know, some of the viability of the beehives being lower than they should be, what are the reasons for that? Is this to do with transportation of beehives around groves and this type of thing? Or I always describe the problem that beekeepers have is that they have so many problems to deal with. So it's not it's not simple enough to say there's one problem that's causing all of this, that if we solved it, then suddenly the pollination industry would be a lot easier, or even that beekeeping would be a lot easier. The problems that beekeepers deal with are... There's a list of about 20 or 30 of them. You've got things like like really straightforward problems, but difficult when you've got an awful lot of beehives to try and manage at the same time, like bees starving to death during the winter when they run out of sugar or honey. You've got queen problems where their queen gets lost or dies. Um, you've got a laundry list of diseases, pests. You know, we've got a particular pest called the varroa mite, which, um, you know, has spread almost everywhere on earth um, and unfortunately causes an awful lot of problems. It's very difficult to keep those varroa levels as low as possible. Then you've also got things like mismanagement, like, um, you know, if there's a storm during the winter and all of your beehives get knocked over or half of your beehives get knocked over and you don't know about it, those colonies will die or they'll fly off into the woods and live somewhere else and they won't belong to you anymore. <laughs> and so even really straightforward problems like that, when they're all happening at the same time, and if you're um, the kind of beekeeper who wants to deliver to a pollination contract, you need to be able to manage, you know, three, four or five thousand beehives in a single operation. And things like remembering to feed them or which ones you have fed or which ones you've treated for mites becomes a, a huge logistical challenge. And most beekeeping operations that we've met and spoken with, and like that's an awful lot of beekeeping operations, they're still managing their entire operation using things like written notes in a notebook or maybe a blackboard or a whiteboard in their office. So it's just trying to manage a huge operation operation using very, very traditional methods. It just doesn't doesn't really add up. So with your with your sensors, what I'm assuming then is that you're delivering real-time information remotely on all of these different hives as to the basic health of the hive. Is that is that correct? Or what kind of information do you share with the beekeepers? 
Yeah, you've summed it up really well there. Um, yeah, so absolutely how our technology works is there's a sensor device gets installed in every beehive. We're collecting things like temperature and sound and humidity data from inside the beehive. Then we apply our uh, machine learning techniques that actually convert that raw data into useful information. And the useful information that we give the beekeepers, it sounds quite basic, but when you think about that there's 5,000 beehives out there, they could be three or four hour drive away from each other. And until our technology came along, you had no way of getting that data without sitting into your car, driving to the yard, putting on your suit, opening the beehive and rummaging around. So we tell beekeepers things like how big their colony is, how many bees are inside in that colony, whether or not the colony is alive or dead, if it's been growing or shrinking in the last couple of weeks. So really straightforward things like that. But when you're able to take a step back from your operation and hold up a single piece of paper or a single dashboard on our website and say, oh, you know, here's this yard over here where 50% of the colonies are decreasing in size. That's where I can spend my resources and my time and my energy today. And that will actually add value to my operation. What we found out pretty early on in Apis Protect was that up to 80% of the uh, labor and inspection events that were going on in a typical operation in the US were actually had no outcome for those bees. So 80% of the labor was being wasted, probably isn't the best word because the only way to find out is to do 100% of the inspections right now. But 80% of them weren't adding value to the operation essentially adding enormous efficiency gains, but also, I guess, peace of mind, which I'm not sure how you quantify. But if I was a beekeeper, you know, and sure would help me sleep easier at night knowing that, you know, I had that remote sensing going on. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, that's that's what we've ended up doing is that we provide that peace of mind to commercial beekeepers in the US. And we've actually also launched our technology for uh, normal average size beekeepers here in Ireland and in the UK as well. So, you know, that peace of mind stretches to every beekeeper loves that peace of mind, whether they've got one or a thousand beehives. So what is next for the company then? Is that your expansion area into smaller commercial operations in Europe or even into hobbyist areas? What is the plan? We're continuing to scale up in the US with commercial operations and we've launched our what we call our hobbyist product, but I don't think hobbyist is a great name because obviously there are quite serious beekeepers uh, also here in Europe. So like that, we've launched in Ireland and the UK. We're planning to expand next year into more European countries. There's an awful lot of beekeepers in Europe that we want to bring our technology to. Fantastic. So great to hear about Apis Connect and, you know, wish you a lot of luck with that moving forward. I am curious, I mean, given that you're in Ireland and you're actually servicing most of your clientele are actually going to be outside of Ireland, but I'm just curious about how it is in the kind of ag tech scene, if you can call it that, you know, in Ireland, how easy it is to find funding or if that's, for instance, something you need to look overseas or is there a very active community there? Are there funding opportunities and uh, other companies working out of Ireland? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Ireland is a, I, I think, well, I'm a little bit biased <laughs> being Irish, but I think it's a fantastic place to have an ag tech startup. In particular, Ireland is known for its startup community, for its technology expertise, and for a really, really high standard of agriculture. So, I mean, like, it's a great combination of expectations <laughs> for people to have when they hear that there's an Irish person with an ag tech company coming to talk to them. I mean, obviously, most of the commercial beekeepers we deal with in the US, they're farmers, and they are very aware of the other Irish ag tech companies arriving into the US, bringing technologies into things like the dairy industry and stuff like that. So they're usually pretty excited to see what we can do for bees. <laughs> and um, Ireland is in general a, a great place to, to start up a company. We've got fantastic supports here, things like the local enterprise offices and then also Enterprise Ireland have been massively supportive of APIS Protect with funding, which is fantastic. And also uh, with the, the network that Enterprise Ireland has around the world. It never feels <laughs> as an Irish company like you're arriving somewhere fresh because you've got basically Enterprise Ireland already there as you're at. Uh, 
advanced team or something like that. And you just ring them up in advance and go, hi, I'm arriving. I want to talk to any beekeepers that you might know. <laughs> and um, in terms of funding, I think it's great. It's getting better over time as well. I mean, like there's everybody is aware of that reputation that Ireland has and the high standard of agriculture. And maybe it's falling a little bit slower than I would have presumed since I think the average Irish person, um, just like me, you know, I went off and studied engineering, had absolutely no specific expectation in my head that I was ever going to do anything around agriculture again. We just kind of, I think the average Irish person has an ambient knowledge about agriculture and the land and stuff like that. And it became an obvious place for me to take the expertise that I had and create an actual real impact on the world. So I think that is trickling through and where there's more and more ag tech companies every time I come back and take a look around. But, um, you know, fantastic funding opportunities here. Like we're supported by uh, Finister Ventures and Atlantic Bridge University Fund. The Atlantic Bridge University Fund is our two leads. So that's a fantastic pair of um, VCs to be leading and, and they bring an excellent reputation. Then we also have the Yield Lab, who again, uh, Irish and US expertise there, Radical Growth. So very specific California almond industry expertise and Enterprise Ireland. So it's it's never easy to raise funding. But I think without going to too much heartache, we put together a really fantastic cohort of investors that are supporting us fantastically through this whole journey of bringing the technology from the, the early development stage through to a final product and now scaling it up into the actual beekeeping industry. I asked the question somewhat innocently, but I did know the answer. <laughs> because, you know, previously we had Aidan Connolly of uh, Quintus on and talking a lot about on the animal agricultural side. And as you said, you know, getting a lot of government support, which is really fantastic to see. And, and also coupled with Ireland's agricultural heritage, which is obviously very significant. It's a great combination. Another thing actually that's been quite good for us, maybe less as an Irish startup and more as a European startup, which is uh, farmers in the US we're talking to our potential customers didn't expect this at all, but they're so conscious about their data and how important it is and how valuable it is. And, and they want to make sure that they get the opportunity to realize every cent of value that's in there. Being a European company and being confined by GDPR regulations and stuff like that, it actually creates a big advantage for us going to the US and saying, look, it's the law here that I have to treat your data with respect. You don't need to worry. Yeah, that's, that's a yeah. great point but Fiona yeah. thank you so much for your time it's been fascinating to hear about yourself but also about Apis Protect wish you a lot of luck moving forward and again thanks for your time yeah, thanks so much AgTech 360 is a product of North Carolina State University SIRSA the Center of Excellence for Regulatory Science in Agriculture and the Southern IPM Center this episode was produced by Kayla Pack Watson with host Adrian Percy and Center Director Dr. Denatia Seth Carley follow us on Facebook and Twitter at AgTech360 and send us questions and comments to agtech360 at gmail.com. With AgTech360, we take a 360 degree view inside emerging agriculture technologies that matter. Thanks for listening.